0: Welcome to Let's Talk Sales. This is the podcast for anyone interested in growing sales. Today's episode of Let's Talk Sales is brought to you by our ebook, Leadership for Organizational Growth. In it, you'll discover common myths and theories of leadership, as well as best practices for developing the skills as a leader to drive revenue growth. Be sure to download a copy today. You can find it in the notes for today's show at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod325, another fun milestone episode. October is National Women in Business Month, and over the course of the month, we're hearing from some exciting women in various areas of business, and today is no exception. This is Elizabeth Frederick, as always, and I believe that you will really enjoy hearing from today's guest. She's the founder of Shoe Biz, Incorporated, providing information and tools for executives and high-performing salespeople to profit with and through people. She is an expert in neurolinguistic programming, and she's a prolific speaker. She's given two excellent TEDx talks, and we will make sure to include those in the show notes. She is based in Oregon. Welcome to the show, Shauna Shu.
1: I am whipped into a frenzy to be with you, Elizabeth. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Wonderful. Well, I'm so glad that you could join me today, and I just shared high-level bullets, but I'd love it if you could introduce yourself to our listeners from your perspective.
1: Well, I guess what I would say is I am here to serve you. And as a listener to this podcast, first of all, bravo for that, it means you're already a seeker, already wanting to get better at what you do. And that's what I am all about, is helping you get better at what you already do. And I do that through executive coaching and professional speaking and my writing. So living in Oregon, loving my life. (laughs) I hope that gave enough.
0: Definitely. That's a, that's a great intro. I know you have a a really unique perspective on leadership and on kind of how to respond to that curiosity and that desire for growth that people have.
1: I am pet sitting right now. And one of the reasons that you said I have a unique perspective is because I use a lot of animal analogies. (laughs) You couldn't have gotten a better cue uh, than
0: that one. I promise we didn't plan it.
1: Yes. So you were talking about my perspective and my perspective is, I think, very unique in that we've become a, a world that lives with other species in incredibly intimate ways. And as a leader, as somebody who works with leaders and as a leader myself, understanding how these other species help us relate and also learn has been incredible for my clients.
0: I, I really love that, that perspective that you have. It's, it's so interesting and something I haven't really heard. Um, so we're going to get into, into that momentarily. And I love the, the intro that we got from that dog. (laughs) Perfect, (laughs) perfect format. But I wanted to kind of take a step back into how you started thinking about this, right? So, um, In our conversations before, uh, what I feel like I've heard from you is that you've seen a need for a change in the way we think and talk about leadership and in the way leaders need to behave in order to be successful and the way leaders need to communicate and use language in order to be successful. So can you can you talk to me about some of those changes that you're seeing and kind of why you feel like people need um, to, to learn about your work?
1: Wow, uh, you ask great questions, but well, this is why you're good at what you do. And yes, I, I think that it's one of those things where we're living in, in the most interesting time in the history of the world. As, and maybe everybody always thought that, but seriously, these are the most interesting time. And it seems as if people are very um, hmm, cut off from each other. And mm-hmm. I think one of the most important, People have their own opinions. And if we, if we can go back to what is natural in nature, where we're part of a pack or part of a herd or a flock or whatever you want to call it, the human race does better when we all work in collaboration. And, you know, we talk about the lone wolf and what's so funny about that is wolves don't work alone. They don't, they work Mm -hmm. in packs. And so this, the need has never been greater for people to understand and collaborate. And and actually invest in advocates, mentors, people that will help them. And I think we can change the work environment particularly, but also our lives if we just start to draw together. Absolutely. That's
0: that's such a powerful um, truth. And what's interesting to me about that is it's one of those things that's that's always been true, but maybe has become more apparent, Um, certainly over the last um, 18 months or so, where you have people physically more distant. Potentially yes. than they'd been before, as well as the the distances and the differences that we experience. Um, we're cut off from from physical touch. We're cut off from seeing body language and and facial expressions and other things that we might have experienced before. And so we've got an actual. Physical representation of that disconnection, in addition to, um, as you were saying, the the disconnections of of belief and of experience and of um, just the way we see the world. And so it's it's coming through in a lot of different ways. Um, is is how I'm kind of hearing what you're saying.
1: Yes, and I I'm sort of on a mission. I go. I I don't know if I've actually clarified it completely that way, but I think every leader. I think every human should be involved with other species, but I definitely think leaders should take care of love a pet. You know, I had a a client one time and, and I, he had, I don't know, 80 people. He was leading and, and, and he was just, one of the reasons I was there is because somebody who worked for him said, if you don't get some coaching, I'm leaving. And so he, he had some things to work on And one day I said to him, like, I I really think you should get a dog. And he goes, a dog, they're dirty and they take all this time. And, you know, and I'm, I'm like, yeah. And I think that, that it would be good for you to have one. He goes, why? I said, well, number one, you'll have to get out of yourself. And number two, you can't fire them when you're angry, (laughs) (laughs) uh, you know, because he was firing his problems and Mm -hmm. uh, it was somebody else's thing. And, and an animal really is an example of how we are inconsistent or consistent, how we are impatient or patient. And an animal gives us all of these clues on our own leadership behavior. And it's a mirror boy. So um, Tom Wilhite once said, results often harsh, always fair. And I mean, if your dog won't come to you, something's up. (laughs)
0: Uh, that is a really, uh, th- that perspective is is unique and yet it makes a lot of sense. I think something that's, that's especially interesting to me is you often, you know, you mentioned that you often use animals and we're hearing that as analogies. Um, and what we often hear is analogies of parenting. And so I'd love to get into why you feel like pets are a better analogy and a better perspective to kind of have, because you're not saying every leader should have a child, which actually... a pet is easier to get than a child. <laughs> and so it's it's a little more accessible. Um, but I'd, I'd love to hear kind of how you how you perceive that difference between the example that we you know, I hear a lot of times from from leaders of just like they, they tell stories of parenthood and analogies of parenthood and assume that everybody can relate to that. Um, why do you think pets are a better better example?,
1: oh, great question. And I know exactly why because we raise our children, for someone else to enjoy. If you do a good job with your children, which all of us, that's the goal, they're going to leave you, move into the world, have other friends, be involved with another family. You raise them well for other people to enjoy them, their spouse, their in-laws. You raise pets to live with you through the entire cycle of their lives. and nothing else it's another species that you actually have as an infant and also will have as an a senior or an aged you will you will probably in your lifetime you will if you live longer than the pet be able to help it leave this earth there's there's no greater gift than to see the arc of of it all and experience it and care for it as you go that's,
0: that's incredibly powerful. And um, when I when I think of applying that within an organization, it's it's so clear in that, um, if you think of developing employees, for them to walk out the door, and be great at other companies, um, certainly, yeah. you've done good work. Uh, and that's, that's great for them, but maybe not so great for your organization. But the idea of focusing on how you relate to individuals in such a way that you're nurturing their relationship with you and with your organization so that they want to stay and that you're making it a safe space for them and you're making it um, a pleasant space for them to be. And you as an individual are are helping them in, in ways that are showing that, that you value them. That's a really powerful um, analogy uh, to leadership. And, and when we think about the short tenure that some people are spending at companies and how it's become so common that people just move and move and move and move in their career, uh, I don't know any leader who loves that, right? Um, who thinks, oh, it's just great that, that people are, are, are moving around in their career. And if, if your dog just kind of <laughs> up and moved to a different family yeah it's <laughs> be, be it'll right. be frustrating, <laughs> right? So we're not saying employees are pets, but that that relationship that you have, um, I see I see how, how that really um, stands out.
1: Well and you, you make a very good point and I have to say that one of the reasons I, I really think leaders would do very well to have at the pet is some things where what it used to be what if you train and invest in your people and they leave you? Well what if you don't and they stay? right? And and there's the challenge is the the leadership traits of consistency, the leadership traits of fairness, the leadership traits of you building this relationship that creates loyalty and really joy, happy to see each other, right? I mean, some people want their, their dog is happier to see them than their spouse. And they're like, why do you love the dog more? Well, the dog gets up and meets me at the door. Well, can we do that with our pets? Can we be more pet-like or can they teach us that when we go into organization that we do greet everybody, that we're happy to see them, that we're consistent in what we ask from them? All of these things that our animals teach us, it's crazy great.
0: Absolutely. Um, so let's let's maybe get into some of those specifics. You've you've definitely mentioned consistency a few times. And I'd love to hear. Um, at, I am I will say I, I am probably owned by a cat more than a cat owner. Um, so so I know cats. Uh, we, we had dogs growing up. Uh, so I, I've got some examples. But where do you see consistency and how that applies in terms of uh, pet ownership and how that applies in terms of leadership? Where, where you see
1: that? kind of making sense if you're doing any kind of training and by the way a lot of us feel that we've been good trainers with our pets but really and truly the pet has trained us and so think about that for a moment the way we treat any other species and the way they treat us back there's there's some sort of give and take so Mm -hmm. we're not just the rulers of things like uh, i'm pet sitting right now. We've been hearing the barks. It's part of this entire thing probably makes it way more real. And this dog that is not mine has trained the owner that when they bark, they have to go in or out. Well, I'm not in charge here. That dog is. And so think about that with the people that you have working with you, the ones that complain the loudest. They train us. They train us to pay attention. We thank them for their criticisms. They're training us. And so when we're consistent with our messaging as a leader, when we're consistent with what we will allow and won't allow, we become a better leader. And then our, our team knows that we're going to be doing it the same way in and out. It's, it's highly effective.
0: Absolutely. Um, You know, I think of consistency. Uh, My cat knows what times I feed her. And if I am not up and moving and feeding her at that time, she she reminds me that that is the time that I feed her. And I think when it comes to when it comes to employees, like you said, um, there's there's a mix here of your behavior being consistent in such a way that people understand what to expect from you. Uh, I know one thing employees find incredibly frustrating is when they feel like, I did this thing yesterday and was praised for it. And I did the same thing today and I'm being berated for it. Or you want me to do this now, but that's the wrong thing to do tomorrow. And sometimes that's necessary, right? In terms of we we respond to the, the needs of the situation. But if the leader's consistent in even explaining why things need to be different. You know, um, our, our goal is out always to live up to this mission. And so sometimes we're going to do this and sometimes we're going to do it the other way, but it's all in service of this one clear mission. That's an incredibly powerful way to um, to just connect with people and to help them understand their role. And I do think that a lot of times, the, the way the world has moved faster and faster, and we all see that and experience that, um, some leaders maybe have forgotten that something that you can really provide in terms of a value to your to your team is that foundation of consistency. And just them knowing what to expect, that's an incredible comfort, um, especially in challenging times where there is a lot of change happening.
1: Well, and what are they consistent about? You, people will ask, like you were saying, we're living in a time where we're, we're moving, we're, we're altering, we're changing, but we can be consistently kind we could be consistently fair. We can be consistent in our listening skills or our questioning skills. And those are even more important because I might do it differently this time, or boy, we have to sh- shift this and we have to do it. We just have to take on more because of the way that we're, we're working. But he was consistent in asking, or she was consistent in making sure I was I had feedback. Those are the things that make a leader so powerful. Like my dogs sometimes get chastised for something they do, but I, my goal is to be consistently fair with them.
0: Absolutely. And, and that is something that, that people really notice. And then I wanted to come back to that idea that, um, that we aren't necessarily always training our employees, but they're training us. And we see that come out in so many ways in organizations. Whereas you said there are people who are always the squeaky wheel and they might be the most vocal about their needs and in some ways that is helpful because you're getting clear feedback as a leader, but in other ways they may be overrepresented because they're always comfortable speaking up whereas you have, you know, maybe the vast majority of your team has a different perspective but they're not as as vocal and not as apparent. I've even seen teams where One person, especially in this, you know, in the sales context, one person just had a personality of um, just incredibly outgoing and incredibly, um, you know, optimistic and um, just interactive and, and just great member of the team. Everybody loved him. And the perception was that he was the top salesperson. And actually, if you looked at the numbers, he was not the top salesperson. There was right. somebody else who just had her head down and was quietly performing. And that idea of, of we get conditioned to respond to people based on the way they interact with us, um, it can be helpful, but it can also be detrimental if we're doing it mindlessly or if we're not really paying attention to how we're being kind of trained and guided and subconsciously directed by our,
1: by our team members. So the, and well said, the idea then is what is it that we really want as a leader, the leader mm-hmm. of the sales team? What is it that we want? And if we're on top of it, if we really want to be fair, have people loyal and have people be at their best performance, then bringing the numbers out is a really great way to do it. And being able to say, let's just look at results. I I mean, what a consistent way to be. I Absolutely. Always and say, "Careful what you praise." So in the animal mm-hmm. world, you praise what you want more of. And uh, I tell a story. Um, I think it's in one of my TED talks. I, I you know, I had this dog, and this dog was just a, a nightmare. And when I went to get some training to get some help, and I pay, I pay, I've paid for my own coaching. I pay for my dog, you know, training of my animals because I don't know everything. And if we invest in ourselves, it's the best investment we possibly could make. So this woman said to me, "Well, don't don't talk to the dog if it does something wrong." Because I was always like, "No, no, no, don't, don't, don't," you know. And we do that with our employees. We're always got to get on this. You got to. And instead, she just said, "Only only talk to the animal when when it does something right." And this was a very challenging animal. And I went, "Well, there's going to be silence in my house you know, because this, this dog doesn't do anything <laughs> right." <laughs> And she said, do it. Well, I paid her, so I did it. And I remember that dog came, you know, and it, it, it was causing grief. And instead of saying anything, I just turned my back on it. I just, not even going to look at the challenge it was making. And it, it stopped what it was doing and ran around in front of me. And I went, wow, good, good come. And the dog sat and I went, "What, good sit. And I realized suddenly, I was praising the wrong things, or I was at least giving, giving verbal, verbalizing things that I didn't want. And as a leader, we do this all the time. We go, thank you so much for telling me there was a problem. No, 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 no. What you say is, what have you done so far to solve this problem? What? (laughs) What? (laughs) Me? I I told you that's what I'm doing. (laughs) And you're like, no, no, I'd like to know what you've done to solve the problem. And suddenly everything changes because they were training you that they got praised for telling you all the problems. Don't praise for problems.
0: Absolutely. Um, That's a really insightful um, idea because so often um, we see that, that when we're praising for it's almost like you're you're praising for like step one when you want people to take steps one, two and three. Right. And yes. if you consistently praise for step one, you're telling people, I don't need you to do steps two and three because you, you get praise and, and attention for step one. And certainly you can't just turn your back on your employees. That would be that would be probably a bad banishment practice, <laughs> <laughs> even, if it, even if it works with dogs. But to to guide people toward, um, you know, Thank you for pointing out the problem, but um, I'd like it if, in future, when you noticed a problem, you identified potential solutions and maybe even tried one before you brought it to me. So, can you? What are the solutions that you're thinking about? And maybe kind of guiding people on that path, um, especially if historically you have provided a lot of, of of praise for for people pointing out problems. You don't want to just flip completely, um, right. just in that vein of being consistent, but guiding them to to discover value of coming up with, hey, I noticed a problem um, and I thought this might be a potential solution. Is that okay? Or even I tried this um, to solve the problem and it worked or it didn't work. Here's the here's the result that I got. Um, and I want to get some validation, some feedback, some whatever. <laughs> uh, but yeah. but making sure that it's clear to the to the employee what what is your role? in the follow up and what is their role and if they think that you are going to be the hero who's going to come in and provide the answer and the solution to everything you're setting yourself up for failure and you're setting yourself you. up also for a lot of long nights and and, <laughs> and frustration you already
1: have if everybody's honest with themselves and they go back and I just usually will ask a leader have you ever complimented praised and thanked somebody for bringing you challenges and they'll justify, I love it that they tell me, I want to know what's going on. Really? To what end? Yes. Control issues, different things. It really is taking a, a real deep look at what you're praising and what you want. And you said something earlier that I wanted to revisit re- too, where they got praise one day, but not praise the second day. And and so let's go with animal training. And at first, when you're asking anybody, any new animal, puppy all the way up to a horse that's fully grown, you're asking it to do something and it's new for them. You praise, you know, you're, you put a little pressure on them and they do it and you're yeah, good, good work, good work, praise, praise. But after they've done it two or three times, you don't praise anymore because it's getting harder. And so we have to be really cognizant. Are we just constantly praising? Like you just said, step one, mm-hmm. instead of no, this is harder. You're, you're going to come from further distances and you're going to do what I'm asking in certain ways. And I'm allowing you to think through this on your own. And then at the end, well done. But at the beginning, we praised every little step, Uh, not anymore. And it works that way with all species.
0: Absolutely. And like you said, it's, it's a progression that you're taking yes. over the course, whether it's um, a junior employee that's just learning something new, or whether you're kind of um, on a path of, of redemption with somebody that that has had some performance issues in the past, whatever that might be, um, figuring out kind of, are you, I could see also that you might be doing, you might be going on uh, one side of the spectrum um, versus the other. You could, for example, if somebody needs that nurturing, that support, that praise of step one, and you view everybody as, no, I only praise for end results, you're going to have somebody who's who's new or somebody who's uncertain not feel motivated and not feel supported and not feel like you notice that they're working hard. So even just as a leader, getting that perspective, right? Is this, you know, the examples that you're giving, is this a new dog or a dog that that wasn't trained well? Um, or is this somebody that, that should know how to do all of this stuff. And I can expect this of them. And I can set the expectation that that I'm going to praise the end result. And really understanding kind of who that person is, is yes. really important when it comes to We've leadership. a
1: great job of explaining that because, and this is the difference. And this is where I mean by consistency in certain things where if I'm consistent, I only praise at the end, but that's inconsistent. You have to be consistent in paying attention. So every... Every species, and I use this as an example, because humans are just, they have a chance to talk back to us, but it's the same. One of the reasons I love using animal analogies and why it's so different is because they do not have the same verbal skills that we do. You got to pay way more attention. And so they're telling you with the way their ears go forward or whatever it is, well, so are your team. And so Mm -hmm. then if you're actually paying attention, you're consistent in paying attention, you'll realize that even though you might not really not, they needed a little encouragement right then. Mm -hmm. And you'll also, if you're paying attention, realize that they got to work a little harder before they get the encouragement next time. Definitely. I think uh, just you being, being there, being real. (laughs)
0: Definitely. Paying attention is, is one of those things that, um, it seems so simple, but then when you really think about the things that you need to be attentive to as a leader, um, it's, it's really important to have consistent things that you're looking for and, and monitoring. And that's a great, that's a great one. Yay. Are there any, are there any other, um, kind of key best practices that you find, um, whether it's an animal analogy or not that, um, that you, you would like leaders to think about or that you analyze when you're working with your clients?
1: Beautifully ask. And yes, one of the things that I realized that if I could help every leader is that they spend an awful lot of time telling and selling and they're telling people what they want and telling what the expectations are and telling them what they're doing or not doing or telling them what the mission is. And they would be better served across the board if they ask, like, do you know what the mission is? Are you walk me through how you're thinking? But they don't. They tell them how they should think. And it's a natural inclination. It's what most of us do. And the more that we ask, we ask for something from others around us, the more they have an opportunity to give. And then they are winning. Absolutely. They're kind of owning. Their yes,
0: um, their well success yeah. and their knowledge as opposed to you doing it. That reminds me there's a there's a project I'm working on right now with a client, and it's a it's it's a really interesting goal that they have. They've done a lot of work um, at a leadership level on their mission, and they've decided to really work on their client experience. And so they put together, you know, mission statements, values, and all these other things. And the first step of our work with them is a survey. and the the key question for me on the survey is, how do you feel your role contributes to the mission statement? And if people can't articulate that for themselves, you've you've done them a disservice. Now, you know, it's, it, and, and it's so much more powerful if they think about it and experience it. If I'm thinking, how does my role contribute to a better client experience? That's a really useful thing for me to be considering in my role. Right. And if I have a job that's kind of not The most glamorous or exciting or you know whatever it might be but i feel like i completely understand i am contributing to the client experience i am making things easier for our clients and i'm i'm contributing to our mission as an organization that's an incredibly powerful thing and so one thing that we're that we're evaluating with this client is are there are there individuals or are there whole teams who don't have that understanding. And in that case, we're going to need to do some work. And, and that's, you know, maybe we get together as a group and, and kind of analyze um, and, and discover it together. But if, if there are some people who have a really deep understanding of how they contribute, even just sharing that across the organization so people so people see it and understand it. And it's that difference between our mission is this, your job contributes in this way your job contributes in this way where you make people feel kind of like cogs in a machine. <laughs> um, that's not, you're that's telling. not a very satisfying place.
1: Yeah. You're telling. Wonderful. And when everybody can ask that and actually answer it, you Now everybody wants to talk so much about these missions and I think that they're vital and yet, and yet are they all the way down? Did they go all the way out? Mm-hmm. And most of the time, no, they didn't. I worked with a team, of executives and they had done all this work and they'd gotten in a room and they'd come up with their mission and they had their five values and all that. And they brought me in to work with them. And I, I went, okay, since you've done all the work, why don't we just review? Why don't you teach me what, what you did, you know, here's the mission we're into. And I go, what are those five values? Well, they came up with four. They could not remember the fifth. So one of them went, just got up, went down the hall, took it off the wall and brought it back. And sheepishly said, okay, guys, this is what it was. Teamwork.
0: (laughs) that's great.
1: Right. So they'd done the work, but they didn't own it. They didn't believe it. Or they, they just, it just seemed really good to have it on there. And um, I find that with lots and lots of different organizations and even within the leaders of, of what they are about and i don't think it's really in their bones i yes. think it's on the wall
0: absolutely that's uh, we can all picture organizations where we've seen you know on the wall uh, we're a family and uh, right that's not t- demonstrated in the way employees uh, are treated exactly- and he, <laughs> you can have all of these statements but unless it unless it's really like you said unless it's really internal unless it's 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 owned by the not just the leaders, but by everybody, but leaders are a lot of times responsible for making sure to, to live out these values. Um, it It's just words. And mm-hmm. that's when I think people find it almost more frustrating. I think many people would rather work for a company that doesn't say they've got this great value than a company that says they do and actually doesn't live up to it. It's easier just to, to see honesty as opposed to seeing that, um discrepancy between the the statements and the actual experience.
1: You're I well said, I would agree. I would agree. Because if somebody tells me they're this, I I always question them, really? Why don't you let me discover that myself?
0: Absolutely. So that's that's incredibly powerful. That that just too much time telling. I wonder if there are any other kind of key best practices that you've identified um, that you that you look for when you're working with your clients?
1: I think the first step with working with anyone, like a leader will be listening to this podcast and the goal would be that they are enough aware that they are asking themselves, do I do this? And so as I work with clients, awareness is actually step one, Mm. because if we think we're such a great leader, usually we're mistaken if we think we've got it all together or I'm never late, well, the fact that you say that makes me question your integrity in general. You've never been late. Not once ever. (laughs) So our words can get us into a lot of trouble. And I'm a word watcher for a lot of my clients because ultimately those words are leaking their beliefs and it could be their fears. It could be the fact that they're arrogant and they don't even realize it. I think it's a, evolutionary process. Like the more my dad used to say this, the more I know, the more I realize I don't know. Mm. And I think that leaders, the very great ones are seekers and they, they have to question the way they're thinking, the way they're communicating, the way that they're listening. And when they begin to have that awareness that there's a new way to do it or a different way to do it, or a tweak that they might make, they become way more powerful in their role
0: absolutely i I definitely can think of how many times I've experienced that and I'm sure many of our listeners have as well that you know you think you understand a topic at a high level and then you take a deep dive into it and you're like oh my goodness there's there's so much more it's like an iceberg where, yes. where the vast majority of things are under the surface and that idea of self-awareness is incredibly powerful because if if you don't have self-awareness there's no way you're going to be able to understand other people. And that that first step of really kind of focusing on on yourself, whether that's getting a coach or a mentor, whether that's, um, you know, just, just analyzing yourself against specific criteria, it, it's an incredibly powerful exercise because you really get a sense of, um, you know, both what you're currently doing and your strengths and your areas for improvement, but also how different behaviors that you are making are contributing to the results that you see. Because I think a lot of times if, if we don't have that awareness, we see things as happening to us and don't always see how we are kind of planting all of the seeds that are, that are getting us the result that we are experiencing.
1: Do you see that a lot with your clients? I do. And I use this expression quite a bit because I know that I'm at the scene of every crime in my life. Mm. Uh, no one else was I was there and everything and so there must be one common denominator it's me and so (laughs) (laughs) that's great (laughs) and that we have to be able and you know a lot of people like to do self-assessments and a lot of people bring them in and I've done all of them and I think sometimes it just reinforces what we already know about ourselves I think the real Nugget. The real piece is what don't I know about myself? What is it that it, that I am blind to? And the only way to actually know that is to ask yourself and others questions, and then the answers suddenly. Wow, I had no idea.
0: Absolutely, I think a lot of times we have the known things that we want to work on about ourselves, yes. and it almost becomes less valuable because we know it. It's like, I know I should be eating better. Or I should be exercising better. or I should be waking up earlier in the morning or all this stuff. And it, it's like that, that new year's resolution thing of just, yes, you know it mentally. And you've kind of almost given yourself permission to just not do it because it's, it's something you've, you just feel as a part of your personality versus if there's something you're unconsciously doing, that's going to be much more eye opening to you. And a lot of times I find that the The thing that you're not aware of is kind of a foundation to is underneath some of these things you are aware of, where um you are self-sabotaging because of something you don't realize about yourself. and once you once you have that realization and maybe begin to work on um, the thing that you were just, you know, <laughs> And just realized is actually an issue that that provides significant opportunity for growth in other areas as well, and so it it kind of can become a, a virtuous cycle and a cycle of progress um, if you have these realizations um, and and you develop that awareness often through other people and their feedback as opposed to just kind of navel gazing and, and thinking about um, what you think you see in yourself.
1: Uh, very exactly why someone enlist the help of a coach, an advocate, or they have a mentor. It depends on what that relationship looks like. And I think for leaders, I have found it's it's difficult because who do they talk to? If they mm-hmm. talk to their team, they're leaking their insecurities. They they It's not a good idea. And too many times we have leaked to our team and then that doesn't work in our favor in the future. We're not going to leak to the people who are hired, who have hired us or put us in this leadership position because we do not want to break their confidence in us or give them any doubt whatsoever. We're certainly not going to talk to our clients. Um, we're not going to talk to our peers because we can, once again, lose reputational capital. And when we go to our family and we we express some fears or some doubts we have, they poo-poo us. They go, oh, you'll figure it out. You're wonderful. You always have. And there you sit with these insecurities and you're moving to a different level and you want to move to a different level. And yet what skills has, has someone provided for you? So you'll get the book and you'll read the book or you'll take an online class, which is putting you through a process, but you're not at, you're either past that process or it doesn't apply right now. And even though it's brilliant information, it's not applicable to what's going on right now with what you are doing. Hence, why it's so important, I believe, to invest in ourselves that way. Or our animals teaching us. I mean, I've got to say that my animals are a, a. Every day, I get confronted with something I could do better. Ah! Oh! <laughs> like today's phone call and uh, being having this this dog I'm pet pet sitting. My heavens,
0: uh, that is definitely true, and I think. Um, if if you wanna work on that awareness, um certainly enrolling people around you and, and coaches to to provide you with that feedback is essential. But then um if you if you want just a better self-awareness, seeing how other people respond to you, seeing how pets respond to you is a really powerful way to Absolutely. understand what's happening. You know, like Absolutely. that like that person you mentioned a while ago, um, who saw a bunch of employees leaving. <laughs> Clearly, you're seeing a result of your behavior. Um, yes. It might take a coach, it might take somebody else to help you understand, okay, what is causing this to happen? But um, seeing the way individuals respond to you is a really powerful thing. You know, if, I, if my cat were um, ignoring me, I would think that there was a problem and I would look into what I had done. She, she punishes me and ignores me if I travel. Um, So at least then I know, I know what, what I did. And it's not always something I can prevent, but um, to, to really think through, okay, in my behavior, am I, am I showing her that, that, you know, I forget her sometimes, or is there, is there something that's, that's motivating that behavior? It's a really powerful um, thing to do. As you said, she can't talk. So we have to, we have to look a little closer and what, what I think a lot of leaders might not realize is your employees a lot of times won't talk. Um, not that they can't, but a lot of times people will have these problems and the first time you hear about them is, is in their resignation. And agreed. so agreed. Look, looking for the unsaid is is one of those techniques you might learn. <laughs> through through the pets that you have, because uh, it's, it's some things people are very comfortable sharing and other things they are not. And, and you don't want that great talent to walk out the door, especially in, um, in the market that we're in now, where hiring is not, not exactly the easiest thing right now.
1: No, to keep loyal, wonderful, happy team members is huge success, huge success, especially since they have so many other options. And I loved it when you said, you know, your dog just says go live with another family. <laughs> um, how do we make it so that everyone on the team really feels valued and part of a team and not out there doing their own thing, especially when they're virtual? So many people are virtual. So, what do you do to make them feel valued? And I'll give one more technique because you've been asking for real strong from I mentioned awareness to the questions we're asking. I would suggest that you don't check in with people on your, on your Mm. team. I think that a check-in is uh, the wrong way to think about it. And I, when I ask my leaders that I work with, I'll say, what do you do? Well, I check in every week or I check in every day. And I'm like, huh, well, what's your, what's your intention there? Well, I want to find out how they are, you know, or really and truly you want to find out if they're working. Uh, And (laughs) a check-in a lot of times is an interruption, and it's like you're checking in because, well, I just want to make sure you're all right, make sure you're doing everything, or can I support you in any way? What, a, what an interruption. I mean, I, I don't check in with all my animals. I'm making note of what's going on. So maybe instead of a check-in, this is what I would suggest, is a results recap. You know, in today. Tell me what went right today. Give me a results recap. And suddenly they're like bragging at you and telling you all the stuff that they got done. And they're, they're looking forward to the results recap versus the interruption that you're doing to check in on them. Did that help?
0: Definitely. Definitely. And um, a similar thing, especially again, if you've got um, somebody newer or more junior having, uh, what are your goals? What, (laughs) you know, can we, can we get on the same page with your goals? I see so often leaders are disappointed in somebody's Um, performance. And it wasn't terribly clear what that person was supposed to be doing, especially let's say I gave you 10 tasks and you did five of them. And you're super proud of yourself for doing five, but they're the five least important to me. And you didn't do the one that I actually really wanted to be done and if you don't have that alignment on goals um those results conversations will be especially frustrating and so that's that's something also to analyze in um in your relationship with your employees and in in, in the work that you do with them are you on the same page in terms of what it is that you're looking for and a check-in isn't going to give you that that that's really a, a, a tactical intentional conversation and um you're you're really demonstrating that that care and concern and support that you have, if you if you take the time to say, "Hey, I know you're not going to get all ten of these things done today. Um, here, here's the one that I really need. What what are your priorities?" And and just asking, you know, even what which of these do you think is the number one priority in terms of asking versus telling? Um, well, that's you'll a get a sense of, of somebody's yeah. understanding.
1: Right. Yes. Yeah, it's all comes down to questions. I hope Definitely. that anyone listening on this has really got that awareness questioning. And then how? what's your intent behind things? Is it to check in Mm. or check up on them? Or is it really to help them succeed? And I think sometimes we as leaders think it's to check up, check in, look at results instead of help them succeed. Absolutely, it's, uh a
0: lot of times we don't recognize how powerful um, intention is and how clearly it comes out. And there, there's another great analogy to animals because uh, I think we we can we can kind of see sometimes how they they can recognize our attent- intentions. And you don't want to just depend on intention; you your your behavior needs to align with it. But if you have that strong um, intention of I want to help you, I want to. Help you produce results and to be successful and to grow and to learn. Um, the the more you understand that and internalize it, the more it's going to drive the kinds of behaviors that are going yep. to to make that happen. Absolutely. So that's a that's a great example. Uh, well, a question I always like to ask our guests is: Do you have any resources that you would recommend to our listeners? It could be very specific to what we've been talking about today, or if there's anything else that you that you just find valuable that you'd recommend people check out.
1: I love, love, love that you ask this. And it's something I've been doing my whole life is, what are your morning routines? What are you reading? What's filling your mind? Who do you follow? Because when you Mm -hmm. ask really successful people these questions, you'll stumble upon a resource you didn't know existed. Or you'll you'll go, oh, really? You do that every morning? If I incorporated that, I bet I would have that kind of success. So great question. There are, the first thing overwhelming is that, leaders or readers and whether or not you actually sit down to read or you listen on audible, which is what I end up doing more. I uh, own a horse boarding facility and I go down and I clean my own stall in the mornings. I have a fabulous, handsome steed. I have a Appaloosa horse and I listen to audiobooks while I'm cleaning a stall. So I'm getting my physical yeah. exercise and I'm also filling my mind with something wonderful. Um, a book that I just stumbled on that I like very much, Is and I'm going to need to find the. I mean, I'm not even finished with it yet. It's called Leaders Leadership Language. Leadership is Language is actually the the name of the book. Leadership is Language, and it's by David Marquette M A R Q U E T. And it talks a lot about some of the things that I use in my coaching. And even though it's broad based, you can learn a lot as a leader. Leadership is language. Another Mm. book that, um, from the Arbiter. Institute that is really a lesser known book is called leadership and self deception. And it really is some of the ways that we deceive ourselves as leaders and how to overcome that. It's a, it's Mm. a beautiful, beautiful book. So both of those, I would say, I would love to pass on to your listeners.
0: Definitely. I think that just that idea of self-deception is a, is a really powerful one.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: I will be checking those out. All right, Shauna for, for listeners who want to learn more about you, um, and maybe who want to reach out to you, where can they find you?
1: Everything is on my website, which is Shauna S H A W N A shoe dot H.com. My Ted talks on there and I offer a free coaching session 30 minutes and people go, really? Why would you do this? And I do it because of two things. Number one, I'm a servant leader. I am here to serve the world and I can do that by using my gifts. And number two, it keeps me, uh, keeps my pulse, a pulse of what's going on out in the market, whether it be Mm -hmm. isolation or what's going on with, with people being inconsistent. And so it, 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 helps me as well as me giving back to other people so they can actually, sign up for that or, or schedule it right from my website.
0: Perfect. That is, that is great. And yeah, that, that finger on the pulse that you can get when you're hearing from a lot of different people, you know, they're getting value from the call, but you're, you're learning a lot as well. So thank you so, so much for speaking with me today, Shauna. I've really enjoyed our conversation despite, or maybe uh, partly because of the, um, the interruptions that we've had.
1: (laughs) Well, hopefully they're going to remember it's the dog barking podcast.
0: (laughs) That is for sure. All right, and thank you to all of our listeners for tuning into today's show. You can find the notes and resources for everything that Shauna and I have been talking about today at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod325. If you enjoyed the show today, please recommend this to a friend. That is the best way to help more people discover the show. And if you haven't yet subscribed, make sure to do that. That way you get every new episode as soon as it goes up. You can subscribe for free wherever it is that you're listening right now. We love feedback. You can leave us ratings and reviews wherever you listen, or email us if you've got direct feedback, questions, or suggested guests to podcast at criteriaforsuccess.com. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at CFS Playbook and the blog at criteriaforsuccess.com slash insights. Let's Talk Sales is a production of Criteria for Success.
1: Happy selling!